Just having business data isn't enough. But ZoomInfo leverages that data to unlock useful insights, like who to reach and how to reach them, so you can grow your business. Unlock insights at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. Welcome into the QB SCO show brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, here to help me break down the quarterback situation going on around the league in this offseason special series. QB1 in my heart, Mark Schofield. Follow him online at Mark Schofield. Hit him up on the Twitter. Mark how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing well, and it's a pleasure to be with you. I know we got some ground to cover today, but we always got to set it up, of course, with historical references. And I've got mine locked and loaded and ready to go. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about onions, stones, guts, ovaries, whatever whatever phrase you use to describe like that inner confidence, you know. And a lot of people listening to the show, I'm sure you're at work, whether it's the nine to five office life, you know, you're out there on the streets, whatever you're doing, you're probably tuning into the show to sort of get away. You know, from the day-to-day doldrums of of the work life, that work grind that Michael and I used to live. Now we get to talk to you all on a daily basis, which is obviously fantastic. We're just living the dream. But you all, whatever line of work you're in, you have that dream where you could just walk into your boss's office and just tell him or her where to go or just blow off work or just do something that like flips that sort of, you know, master, you know, servant type relationship on its head. And last week, I mentioned that I'm reading Michael Bechelos' Presidents at War, fantastic book. I was talking about the Mexican-American War last week. Now, we worked our way into the Civil War, and how's this for some stones, okay? Early in the Civil War, General George McClellan was named General-in-Chief as well as the leader of the Army of the Potomac, okay, the Union Army. And Abraham Lincoln, president, is getting a lot of strife from people around you know, the North that they're not prosecuting this war quickly enough. They can't put an end to it quickly enough. And so he's trying to get into McClellan's head, look, we got to end this war. And McClellan is literally living just across the street, just across Lafayette Square from the White House. And so one day, McClellan is visited by both William Stewart, who's the Secretary of State, and Abraham Lincoln. These two men, the President of the United States and basically the second in command, walk across Lafayette Square to go to McClellan's house where he lives. And McClellan isn't there. And so Lincoln mm-hmm. and Seward, remember, this is before cell phones and stuff, they sit there in the living room and they wait. And they wait for like hours. And finally, McClellan comes home, sees them, and goes upstairs, doesn't even acknowledge them. And like a half hour goes by, and the servant comes down and says he's turned in for the night. It just blows him off. (laughs) How amazing is that? Like, could you imagine the Stones to just like be like, oh, there's my boss. Adios. (laughs) I'm going to bed. That's the dream. Show yourself up. That's the dream. So we're going to talk, I think, about stones and onions and all that stuff a little bit later. But I thought that was a good way to sort of set things up there. I like that. Before I get to my history reference, which will transition into some quarterback talk here, as this is, after all, a quarterback-driven show, despite all of the evidence suggesting otherwise. (laughs) Mountains of evidence. There is news today about a player I have in my top 10 on my big board, or did anyway, uh, and that news was about Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, So gird your loins for this one. The report from Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, because ESPN has some weird 
breaking news revenue share thing going on, says that Simmons is feared to have suffered an ACL tear while training for the draft and that a statement to clarify his status is expected to be released later in the day. Now, we're recording midday on Tuesday, so please excuse us if you're not hearing the most current information, but that info will be updated on my piece over at bleedinggreennation.com. Now, regardless, if you're listening to this, you may have heard the Kiston Solak Show 78, where me and Benjamin Solak did a seven-round mock for the Eagles that dropped to 6 a.m. Tuesday morning before the Simmons news, and of course... Both of us selected Jeffrey Simmons in the first round for the Eagles. So we're definitely going to take a mulligan on that and record a new episode, a new seven-round mock. And it just goes to show you, while mocks are fun for purposes of what the Eagles' thought process might be, analyzing these players, suggesting who might be available at certain pits, etc., etc., it just goes to show you that mock drafts, especially pre-combine, are made of toilet paper. So that is a massive hit to the draft class and a big one to the interior defensive lineman class, which is an area in which the Eagles are definitely interested. We'll keep you up to date on that throughout the process. Uh, Mark, do you have any players you want to mock to the Patriots right now so you can see your hopes go up in flames only hours later? Um, can I go to Justin Herbert? Because I was mocking that earlier this year. And, well, that ended up well because he looked at – I mean, that's a curious decision though, huh? You look at this quarterback class and you're like, eh. I'll wait till next year. Wouldn't you, if you were Herbert, wouldn't you want to like strike while the iron is hot? Like I understand he has a great relationship with his coach and everything, but like you're passing up millions and millions because right now people are, will manufacture a quarterback out of, I mean, they're doing it right now. Yeah. I mean, look, they're just, look, have you thrown a football in the past couple of months, Michael? Uh, Maybe once or twice. Yes. I I think you are now QB (laughs) five. I did declare for the draft. You, I saw that, and I, I was literally going to follow it up with, and now you're QB four. But <laughs> some of the quarterbacks in this class follow me on Twitter, and like I don't want to anger them too much as I'm like trying to like reach out for interviews and stuff. Like, yeah, I was going to interview with you, but you said some guy off the street is quarterback four, and I'm quarterback five. So no, go pound sand. <laughs> uh, that's. But I mean, literally, I have. A labrum in my right shoulder that is torn off the bone. I was playing catch with my son in the backyard the other day. I can barely throw at 10 yards. And NFL team would probably – I mean, NFL teams were calling Tony Romo and one of the Hasselbecks <laughs> last year. I mean, they're just trying to like grasp at straws at this point. Yeah. I mean, what? Josh Freeman started a game a couple of years ago. I mean, every year at the end of the year, you see some quarterback that starts a game. You're just like, how is this person still collecting a check? And they're not even like in the AAF. Like the AAF is picking like from the scraps from the scraps. It's, it's unbelievable, dude. Can we say something though? Yeah. We, we, we joke all the time about how Twitter is just a cesspool. It's, you know, a scum of a vile scum of villainy and all that stuff. If you got got by the fake Bleacher Report tweet that the they somebody in the AAF signed Jamarcus Russell, yeah. it's a it's a delete the account situation. Yeah. Or at least yeah. you got to go into hide for a couple of days. And yeah, Trevor Sikama, I'm looking at you, okay? Because <laughs> you got got by that, you admitted that, but you didn't, you know, delete the account. If you're falling for a Jamarcus Russell tweet. <laughs> Maybe that's, but maybe that speaks to the bigger issue that we were just talking about. That we are also quarterback starved. Let the thirty-three-year-old battleship of Marcus Jamarcus Russell make sense in some way that some team would sign him. Yeah, whenever I see something from like Schefter or Rap, I'm always very hesitant to quote tweet it because I don't want to get caught, man. I mean, you really got to look at that stuff. You don't want to get chapsed. Yeah. I mean, it is bad. You got to keep your head on a swivel (laughs) when we get into this free agency offseason period because you get God and it just looks bad. Yeah. And you got to take ownership of it. So even if you don't fully delete the account, 
you kind of laid low for a couple of days. You find yourself a safe house. We'll let you know when it's safe to come back out again, okay? So let's use that quarterback talk. Let's transition into one of the main topics of today. That's going to be quarterback Kyler Murray. And Mark, I want you to join me in a journey in time back to the Battle of Marathon which takes place in 490 BC between the Greeks and the Persians, which led to a decisive (laughs) victory for the Greeks. The Persians relied heavily on their archers to batter enemy lines early on in the battles, but the Athenians had a counter beyond their typical bronze armor. There was an athletic event, Hoplidodromos, developed in the 500 BC and debuted in the 65th Olympics in 520 BC. It was a race, a full sprint, in full hoplite armor. This was said to have been developed to combat the Persians' tactics, so when the Battle of Marathon kicks off, they charge in full armor, which was highly irregular, to close that distance, rendering the arrows less effective. Ladies and gentle listeners, we are under attack from the arrows of draft season, and I implore you to don your bronze armor and either enter some sort of hedgehog formation with interlocking shields or do as they did in the Hoplidodromos and charge right at the bad takes, which are the arrows that blot out the sun. I prefer to charge right at things. And a take held by some that I find a bit ridiculous is one surrounding Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray, who has fully committed himself to becoming a quarterback, not a baseball player. One example of that take from Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting, says, quote, finally decided to do a mock today based on what I've heard slash know. Number one, Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, unquote. Mark, you get the feeling that this is a take that's going to sit out in the sun too long and eventually spoil. But do you think there is any merit to the opinion that new Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury, who very aggressively recruited Murray, would stay at number one to draft Kyler Murray and then probably look to deal Josh Rosen, who they selected just last year with the 10th overall selection. Wow, that was a whirlwind right there. <laughs> I, that took a turn. I thought you were going to go, when you started talking about athletic events, I thought you were going to go towards the combine in that direction. That took a turn. I'm, yeah, I'm buddy. impressed there. Okay, so the Galco Kyler Murray 1.01. Let's remember something about Cliff Kinsbury and how he was hired because, you know, obviously when that tweet went out, Matt Miller also said some similar things that it's possible, you know, he didn't sort of put it into stone like it seems Eric Galco did. And, and Galco's, he's plugged in. Look, XFL guy now, like he clearly knows some people who know some people who might know some people. And so maybe there is a sliver of truth to that. The thing we have to remember about Kingsbury and how he got the Arizona gig to begin with, and this is something that I've been told and even read now, is that you know when he went to meet with Arizona's front office, you know he was perhaps I think the only, if what I've read is correct, interview candidate that came in with a blueprint with film and everything on how to develop Josh Rosen. So I'm struggling to imagine a situation where your general manager, who he's on thin ice to begin with, remember his situation. It's more off the field than anything else, you know, staking the claim on Josh Rosen last year. Now you bring in this guy whose roadmap to get in the job was how to fix Josh Rosen. It seems everything is moving in the let's build this around Josh Rosen to then throw that up in the air and go after Kyler Murray with the first overall pick. So that's one issue and perhaps flaw in the argument. Another thing is what's the return on Josh Rosen right now? Are you getting a first round pick for him? I mean, if you're so willing to move on from him. (laughs) What's the trade? Like, what leverage do you have? That's another issue. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Now, if you're a team that might need a quarterback, 
maybe one settled at six or seven or 32. And mm. you hear, you see Josh Rosen sort of dangled in front of you. Yeah, maybe you inquire, like, why not? I'm hard pressed to find that making much sense. Now, the flip side to that coin is this. Look, Arizona's already gone in on thinking outside the box with hiring this guy anyway. I mean, he's a guy that was looking at offensive coordinator gigs at the college level. Now he's suddenly an NFL head coach. That's some outside the box thinking. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some outside the box thinking or some stones like we were talking about to go all in on Kyler Murray because of some of the question marks that surround him, both on the field as a passer and off. And so, you know, if there is a situation where he might end up, maybe it is the organization that's already said, look, forget the rules, man. The rules don't matter here. You know, where we're going, we don't need roads. So let's go all in on Kyler Murray at 1-1. Why not? It's interesting. I just pulled up Josh Rosen's contract. And if he's a pre-June 1st trade, the dead money would be over $8 million. That seems a little restrictive to me. That's restrictive because what makes more sense? Keeping Josh Rosen under his current rookie deal and building around him or giving up that $8 million plus what you're going to have to pay Kyler Murray at 1-1? Because that takes you from the realm of, ooh, rookie quarterback, let's all build around it to more of a Nick Foles type contract situation, which is bigger than your average rookie quarterback situation if you count that sort of $8 million as to the quarterback position in there. Then you sort of lose that competitive advantage. So what makes more sense? And you look at Josh Rose. I mean, look at the talent that was around him last year. I, I just can't see the team being as reactionary and down on Rosen as some, you know, some fans are because he didn't get much of a chance. And I really loved Rosen coming out. I mean, he was my quarterback one. And I yeah, still think okay. he has a very, very high ceiling as to far as what he can reach. And I think his relationship with Kingsbury could be fantastic for him. And part of that relationship working is also building talent on the team. I mean, this is a team. This Cardinals roster is bad. There is not a lot of talent there. And if you want to tell me that re hitting the reset button on getting another quarterback when you could get a guy like Quinnen Williams from Alabama is the smart move, I have a really hard time buying into that, Mark. Yeah, I mean, you look at sort of the talent. I mean, here are some names, okay? Two of these players are actual wide receivers for the Cardinals, and two <laughs> are not, okay? J.J. Yeah. Nelson, okay. Jalen Tolliver, Trent Sherfield and Chad Williams. Can you identify the two actual receivers or not? I think it's J. I think it's JJ Nelson and Chad Williams is a grambling guy. He was a, either a super late draft pick or he was an undrafted guy that got brought in. I only know him because I went like super deep on that draft. So I'm going to go with those two. Was that right? It was a trick question. All four of those are actual Arizona Cardinals <laughs> wide receivers. No way. Yeah. No way. Trent Sherfield and Jalen Tolliver are actual wide receivers <laughs> on the Arizona Cardinals roster. Trent Sherfield, he was out of Vanderbilt. And Jalen Tolliver, he was out of University of Arkansas at Monticello, which I didn't even know existed. That's that's a Madden-generated wow. school. So, yeah. I thought they were Madden-generated names. You really got me with that one. I would have never guessed those two were on the team. That's I, I got to be honest. I set that joke up badly. I'm glad it still worked out in the end, but I set it up badly. But still, it worked out. So, they got to get talent around yeah. them, man. They, they got to they gotta give them a shot. I don't think now is the time to just jump ship on Rosen entirely. And I mean, look. Let's talk about Kyler Murray as the prospect, and let's just kind of dive into his game beyond the take. So 
let's get to some real analysis on who he is as a player. And look, we all know he's short. We'll know exactly how short when the combine rolls around and that'll get a lot of attention. But Mark, when you study Murray's game from a pre-snap to post-snap process, where does he win? What does he do well? Why would he be considered as a first round selection despite his so often cited height limitations? Right. And we can take the height then and just put it in a bucket, put it aside. We won't know for sure. We could talk about it a little bit in terms of what he needs to do as a quarterback, wherever he measures in. But we'll put that aside as best as we can. First thing that jumps out watching Kyler Murray is obviously the explosiveness as an athlete. He is that angle eraser of a quarterback, the guy that you could have the best angle on him, whether you're a linebacker or a safety as he runs to the edge, he's going to erase it with the quickness because he had a run against Army. You know, it was a drop back sticks concept. And I have issues with how the play unfolded from a processing standpoint, but it was a 33 yard touchdown run where two linebackers and I think one or maybe both safeties had the angle on him and he just erased it in the blink of an eye. Yes, it's army, but still that jumps out to you on the film. Easy thrower of the football. And again, with that baseball type background, what we've seen with a Mahomes or with a Russell Wilson can make throws from any platform. One of the most eye-popping throws that he made this entire year was against Alabama, that deep shot on the post route where he threw a touchdown from almost midfield where his feet weren't even on the ground when he let go of the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's more like Derek yeah. Jeter in the hole thrown over to first than you know <laughs> Tom Brady from the pocket. He can do that with easy power and generating velocity now. There is a little corollary to that that I've noticed, and I haven't seen a lot of other people talking about this, but he has more of a draw, a drawback and throw like an archer with a drawn and bow when he releases, but when he needs to truly dial up the velocity or crank up the RPMs, like if he's trying to stick a throw in between defenders or you know really get something out along the boundary, sometimes you'll see that little dip in loop. You've seen it sometimes with guys like Russell Wilson when they have to generate extra velocity. Even Sam Darnold, that was his natural throw in motion. He still has a crisp and quick enough delivery that it doesn't slow things down that much, but it's still something to watch in terms of the difference in how he throws the football between some routes and other routes. Sometimes he relies a little bit more on touch, and I think there are chances like he had a, a throw against TCU, I believe, on an RPO in the red zone where he tried to sort of float it over the defender rather than just drilling it in there. And that's one of those things that goes with experience. You learn feel for the position. And again, one year as a starter behind Baker Mayfield last year. And so while they had some packages for him, he wasn't asked to do a ton. You know, So he'll learn stuff like that. I think he's a better anticipation thrower, Mike, than he's getting credit for. Mm. And this isn't just like on hitches or smokes to the boundary. Like, yeah, there's comebacks and outs and things like that where he's doing that stuff. But if it's a routes in the middle of the field, like one of their concepts that they love to run is mesh with a little seam and sit combination where you've got the mesh underneath, you've got one guy running the seam, and then from that stack, another guy following him and then sitting down. And on that sit route, they ran it twice against Iowa State. The first one, he was a little slow, but he threw the sit route. Second one, you could tell, learned it in the, in the midst of a game, gets it out well before the break, read it perfectly. It was a zone coverage, so that's what the route you want to throw in that route design and shows you the anticipation. Sometimes he'll throw guys open in the middle of the field where you've got, say, a dig route coming or maybe a curl that's going to float and find grass over the middle. He'll release the ball before that receiver sort of clears the underneath linebacker, that underneath zone defender, and throws him to space, which is sort of an advanced passing concept that you don't see a lot of quarterbacks do right now. More younger quarterbacks are more see it, throw it type guys. So those are some things that stand out. Some flaws on him, doesn't use his eyes well yet. You know, when he looks off defenders, it's more scheme reliant than anything else. Like if he's got two route concepts, Oklahoma does a lot with half field concepts. So he'll look at one side and then come to the other. So it sort of creates or manufactures manipulation. He's not good yet at looking guys off. Sometimes he'll lock on to his first read. Hmm. He's one of those guys that when the feet get going, 
because he's such a good athlete, he likes to keep them going. Right. So there are times when I want to see him keep the eyes up. Don't look down. Don't drop the eyes. Look for that receiver in a scramble draw situation. He's great at those moments, but he doesn't always revert to those. And that play, that touchdown run against Army, he starts to break the pocket. The boundary curls on either sideline. Now he's rolling to his right, so I don't expect him to throw across his body to the left curl. But the one that should be in front of his eyes is wide open past the first down marker. So for every other quarterback in this class and previous classes, I would want to see them keep the eyes up and throw that curl and get the first down. The question ultimately for me with Murray is, does what he do, does, is what he does after that moment where he outruns everybody for a 33-yard touchdown run outweigh the, the process that I often look for, which is keep the eyes up, look downfield, find the target, make the throw. Like That's what I would want every other quarterback to do. Does Murray's natural talent and playmaking ability outweigh the process? That's my question with him. Before Zoom Info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, Zoom Info aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go-to-market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. You talk about that one flaw, and it's it's kind of like how Wentz was a little bit like on steroids because Wentz early in his career struggled with moving with inside the pocket and keeping his feet ready to throw. And I feel like some of the exaggerated movements that Murray creates inside the pocket can leave him not able to throw. So I definitely see what you're talking about there with him. And I, and I want to kind of tie in something with his height while also tying in some other things about his game because you mentioned his throwing motion. And that's where you think his height might might hurt him. Is it processing and reading things over the middle of the field post-snap that could lead to some throws not taken? Because I know he does a great job. You know, we talk about batted balls with shorter guys, but he does a great job with altering platforms with his arm angle to get balls through windows. And you can, he can thank a lot of that to his baseball background. We see it with Mahomes all the times, the arm angles that he's able to achieve. But when he's standing in the trees, does that middle of the field area get a little blurry for him? It does at times. And, you know, he might have to be a quarterback where he'll have to do a better job than he currently does at sort of creating those throwing lanes with his feet. His feet are great in the pocket. And again, it comes from being you know, a baseball player. The footwork there is sound. His ability to sort of slide and create space is good. So there are times when he does enough to sort of find that throwing lane, but there are other times when you might want to see him do a better job of it. And he might miss some opportunities in the middle of the field. You might have to do some stuff where he's taking deeper drops. Oklahoma, they did a lot of three-step drops from the gun. You might have to do some five steps, even some seven steps from the gun. You know, he's got the arm to make those throws, but you get him away from that line of scrimmage a bit, give him a little bit of a clearer view in the middle of the field. And look, not that I was Kyler Murray, not that Wesleyan University is Oklahoma, not that, you know, the NESCAC is the Big 12 or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> I'm a five, nine, and seven eighths kind of guy. What we're yeah. currently looking at for Kyler Murray. And there were times when I missed stuff in the middle of the field that I wasn't playing behind huge guys that were going to the NFL. And so, it does happen where you need to sort of find a way to give you that field division between the hash marks, between the numbers, because let's face it, quarterbacks, offenses, they can't live on numbers and hash marks to the boundary throws alone. You've got to attack the middle of the field. Otherwise, defense is going to figure that out easily. So I think Murray needs to do a little bit better job of sort of creating those moments. You're going to have to get 
And again, it gets us back to the, you know, do you have the the guts to make this kind of pick? You're going to have to get an offensive coordinator and a coaching staff that finds creative ways to do things like that. But I think the talent is there. And in this draft class, from a talent perspective, you can make the case that he's QB1. You know, some people might prefer Haskins. Some people might prefer Locke or Jones or cough, cough, Brett Rippon. But you can make the case that Kyler Murray is QB1. And, and so there's an argument there to be made for him. It's just, and this gets us to the height thing and the size thing. That's a gutsy call. You know, it's a gutsy yeah, call it's unprecedented. To, to pull the trigger, to turn in the car that says Kyler Murray. If he goes to Indianapolis and he comes back at 5'9 and 7'8, which is what we've been told he's going to measure in at. It's still gutsy if he's 5'10, but at least it's an outlier that's the Russell Wilson out. And right. then you've got yeah. the baseball factor. And he tried to put that to bed this week saying, I'm 100% committed. But we're also hearing stories that he sent a letter along the same lines to all 32 MLB teams saying, I am firmly committed to baseball if I'm a first-round pick. That's going to be a tough one to explain away. Like If you're, if you're wow. going to sit down – and now, again, I just saw it a couple of times. I don't know if it's true right. or not. But if that wow. is – if it is. <laughs> you, you're, he's not on Dave Gettleman's board anyway, but let's just say for sake of argument, you're Dave Gettleman sitting down from this young man. Okay, I've got two letters in my hand, Kyler, one that you sent to the San Francisco Giants and one that you sent to the New York Giants. Which one do I believe? Because you're sitting here now saying that you want to be a football player and the Oakland A's are sitting there wondering where their outfielder is come spring training, which, by the way, just started. And so that's – you've got to be 100% sure that he guy he is fully committed. That's like a that's like a guy like his wife finding his Tinder account. That's yeah, well, like, If that's true, that's like wild. Those, you know, those Lifetime movies where the guy has like – he's an airline pilot. He has two different families, like one in San Francisco, <laughs> like one in Boston. And it's like, what are you doing? If you draft him in the first round, if you draft him at 1-1 and then he decides, like we talked about, like, peace, I'm out. I'm going to play baseball. That's yeah, – you're fired. fired. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're taking my job next year, which, okay. I mean, I get it. That's how the world works, but you're not coming back from that one. Let, let's talk about one fit before we go here. Does he fit with the New York Giants? Does that make sense? Do they need a player that thrives a bit out of structure like Murray or, or, or is more of a facilitator? A guy like Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State seem more like their, uh, what they favor to do with their weapons that they have in place you know, there. I, I think let's look at it from the quarterback's point of view first. I think for Haskins, mm. it makes much more sense to be sort of with the Giants. And this is something our good friend Joe Ferriero pointed out. We were talking about this offline and you go into that offense, you've got weapons, you've got Ingram, you've got Shepard, you've got Odell, you've got Barkley, like you've got weapons. You can just sort of spread the ball around, not ask to be too much. Murray's more of a creator type guy. You can do some stuff in those right. scramble draw situations. And so, you know, I think an offense that might not have those kinds of weapons might be a better need, better fit for Murray you're going to need the guy to create a little bit. And one of the things that he does really well, and he's going to need to keep doing this, is to protect himself, to slide. There are times sure. when he breaks the pocket, picks up runs. There are times on design runs where he gets 12, 15, 16 yards downfield. And yeah, he could fight for more yardage. He could probably get more yardage, but he'll just give himself up. He'll just say, look, I'm done. This is good. Yeah. Let's get back to the huddle. He's going to need to keep doing that. I talked about this on another show today. A sneaky team for Kyler Murray is Cincinnati. And this might sound Ooh, a little yeah. weird. They've got Dalton, but you might be capped out at what you can do with, with Dalton, okay? And Dalton has sort of become mm. the poster child of like quarterback purgatory that we sometimes see in the league where he's just good enough. You don't want to let him go, but you know that there's better stuff out there, but you're sort of stuck in that quarterback purgatory zone where you don't. it doesn't really make sense to do anything, so you just kind of keep him there. 
Now, now you've got Zach Taylor, the young kid coming out from under McVay's shadow. So you know there's going to be some interesting schematic elements, some half-field reads, the stuff we've seen with Jared Goff. That might be a good type of fit from a schematic standpoint for a guy like Kyler Murray. You know you're going to get a forward thinker in terms of the offense, you're going to do some things to help the quarterback like the Rams and Sean McVay helped Goff. That might be a team to watch. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. You know, we're into that hot take season where you take the spaghetti, you chuck it at the wall, yeah. you got 15 different pieces of spaghetti stuck there, one of them sticks. <laughs> I nailed it. I can keep doing this next year, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so we'll do that. We'll do that with Kyler Murray and the Bengals. I think that's a sneaky team to watch. You know, that's interesting because I mentioned Nick Foles as a sneaky candidate to go to the Bengals if the Eagles yeah. were able to get the rights back of Foles back because they can cut Andy Dalton with no dead cap. It doesn't feel like they're really interested in like the long term with him. Like I feel like now is the time with a new coach that they might want to move on from him. So that is a very interesting pick there. Uh, Zach Taylor, brother of Press Taylor, the quarterback's coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Also that connection. We're playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon all offseason with Nick Foles. (laughs) None of it seems to be happening right now. They haven't tagged him or anything, but I like that. I I like that sneaky pick there. Uh, It's a correlation I've made with the Bengals possibly moving to a new quarterback in the future. So that's going to do it for today's show. We thank you for listening in. Uh, As always, rate, review, subscribe, leave those reviews on Bleeding Green Nation, uh, the iTunes reviews, the Apple Podcast reviews are just hilarious. I posted one last night, uh, a real family podcast that we have here at BGN Radio. Go listen to that. You'll have a laugh. Uh, but keep it locked in here. We'll have some more pre-draft stuff going on because we need to redo our seven-round mock since Jeffrey Simmons. You already heard the news on him. So we'll have that up on the Kist and Solak show later this week. Also, BGN Radio will be new this week as well. Uh, but thank you for listening to the QB Sco Show episode 13. Is it 13? I don't even know. This is a terrible ending. It is 13 because 12 was the Super Bowl recap. So thank you for listening to the QB Sco Show. Remember, follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. Follow Mark Schofield on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Thank you for tuning in. Businesses love data, like really love it. But is just having data enough? Yeah. Nope. Oh. Because the smart businesses, the really smart ones, use ZoomInfo. It leverages data to unlock useful insights. Insights so you know who to reach and how to reach them, letting you grow your business. So ask yourself, is your data insightful? Now it is. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.